Thanks for joining us. The following is a presentation of Ignite Global Ministries and features the teaching of Pastor Ben Dixon. Pastor Ben has a vision of strengthening the church to impact the world. He serves as lead pastor at Northwest Foursquare Church in Federal Way, Washington. I want to share with you a message called Pursuing an Unoffendable Heart. I shared with you as my second message was called Possessing an Unoffendable Heart. And instead of just regurgitating that message to you, I want to continue by talking about the issue of offense. And I want to do that out of 1 Peter chapter 2 because we're living in such a hostile and really negative time and it's easy to get offended. But last time when I shared this with you, I talked to you practically It was about, you know, false expectations and personal wounds and these types of things that cause offense in our lives. And I want to kind of back up a little bit and look at it a little more macro and talk about some of the things that are behind the scenes that are causing offense before we ever get into conversation with anybody. There are things that are already in our hearts that predispose us and provide a filter for us to get offended without anybody ever having to say or do anything. And so maybe we haven't possessed an unoffendable heart, but I'm going to knock it down a little bit and talk about just pursuing an unoffendable heart today out of 1 Peter chapter 2. Let's go ahead and pray as we open God's Word. Father, we thank you for your Word, and we pray as we open it today that you would open our eyes and give us wisdom so that we can walk in the world that we're living in a way that honors you. We thank you that you gave your life for each one of us. We've said yes to you. We honor your presence, we honor what you've done, and we ask that you would make us like Jesus, especially even now. Teach us to walk with you in a way that honors the precious blood of Christ. We love you, Lord. We look forward to what you're going to speak to us through your Holy Spirit today. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Well, I don't have to tell you (laughs) that we live in a world that is basically normalized offense. In fact, uh, justified it as well. The Bible's very clear that we are going to offend each other. We're going to sin against each other. But it also is very clear that we get to choose our response. And the response is laid out very well for us in the Bible. All over Scripture, there's a great deal of wisdom that, that helps us to understand how to respond to people who are not Christians and how to respond to people that are Christians. And by the way, there's a big difference. The Bible is very clear. I was going to bring to you a message out of 1 Corinthians, but I'll have to do that at a different time. But I think it's important that you and I are aware of our perceptions, our expectations, our interpretations of the conversations that we're having today, the things that are going on. And you and I have a higher standard. And we don't get to just respond to people in like kind. We are followers of Jesus, and that means something. When we talk to people, when people say things to us, post something comment on a post of something. When this happens in our world, we're responsible as followers of Jesus to look more and more like him. Yes, we're going to blow it. But even when we blow it, we're responsible to do something about that. Why? Because Jesus has called us in this world to reach people in his name and for his glory. We have a higher principle. And so our being nice and kind and generous and wonderful Christians, is not just about being moral people that are good and nice people. It's that we have a mission, and we have a message, and that's been given to us by Jesus. And so when we understand what God has called us 
to do and what God is, who God has called us to be in this world, we've got to remember that there's a purpose behind all of this. And I think it's important that we realize that offense is one of the greatest enemies right now in the moment of time that we're in. Offense. And as Christians, we've got to understand it's coming, even if it isn't knocking at our door right this moment. It is coming. And there's many opportunities to get offended. I don't know. I'm sure you live in the world that I do. But over the last four or five months, I've had more opportunities to be offended and at times even have been than I can remember any year or any couple years combined, honestly. And I've had to deal with that. I've had to come to God again and again. I've had to filter my thoughts and my reactions and my responses more than I can ever remember It's like sifting flour, you know? It's like, how many times do I got to sift this before it's ready? I feel like that's my attitude. I got to keep sifting my attitude so that it's refined, so that it actually looks like Jesus, smells like Jesus, acts like Jesus. And there's a whole lot more guilt when you're a pastor too, but I won't talk to you about that today because you're supposed to be perfect. Amen. Pastor Ben, you got it. Now, you guys know I don't got it all together because I've told you. I've told on myself. I've made fun of myself, and I'm going to continue to do that. Not because I'm making light of my shortcomings, but rather I'm telling you I have them, and I want you to know I'm aware. And when I know of those things, I bring them to God. That really is the example, isn't it? It's not just the perfection that we live in. It's the response and the reaction to what we're aware of. But offense is just all over the place. We're going to continue to see this. And I think in some ways it's going to get worse. I think the Bible shares that with us. That as the, we're in the last days. The last day or the great day of the Lord is the second coming in Scripture. But we are living in the last days. In that period of time, the Bible, even as we've read in our Bible reading plan this morning, in... Uh, 1 Timothy, I think it's chapter 4, 2 Timothy, sorry, chapter 3. 2 Timothy chapter 3, we read today that people will be lovers of self rather than lovers of God. They will have a form of godliness but deny the power, the transforming power of Jesus to look like Jesus, to be like Jesus. And how will that happen? It's because when we're self first, it's easy to get offended. In fact, it's inevitable. It's inevitable. Absolutely. But what we see in Jesus is that he was not easily offended. Jesus was somebody that came with a purpose. He knew why he was here. He knew who he was. He knew what he was doing. And all of the insults and all of the pain and all the persecution that he endured, he did that because of what was ahead. And he calls us to live in light of his example. And we're going to see that today in 1 Peter chapter 2. Just a little context for this letter. We know Peter wrote it. He wrote it to primarily Jewish believers who had been scattered abroad. They were facing great persecution at that time. Some believe that it wasn't quite physical or wasn't yet physical, but definitely verbal persecution. Imagine a time where because you're a Christian, publicly speaking, if you go to your job, you're not sure if you're going to lose your job because you're a Christian. That's what they were living in. They were living under threat. They were a threat to national security for being people of the way. So they lived this way. If they were maybe renting a farm or some kind of home, they weren't sure if they were going to be evicted. If they owned it, they weren't sure if their fellow brethren or the Roman government, they were living in Asia Minor, which is modern-day Turkey at that time. They had been scattered. They were not sure if somebody was going to come knocking at their door and take their home. They were living under these conditions. 
political instability, strife, people walking away from Jesus. You can imagine that there was a lack of encouragement. They had strife among one another. Many of them wanted to go back to practicing Judaism as they knew it. They didn't want to come under these conditions. They did not want to comply to the Christian lifestyle that equaled suffering. I don't want to suffer. We understand that. And so here we have this letter that's chock full of wonderful truths and each one deserves a sermon. We know that Peter in the first chapter is talking about the precious blood of Christ. He paid for us. He reminded the believers of that. Jesus gave his life for you. He gave his life for you eternally speaking. It's not just some temporary feel good like Jesus actually paid for something that's eternal. He reminds them of that. Chapter two, we start reading about how he encourages them to hunger for the pure, unadulterated word of God. Not the compromised version, the watered-down version, but the unadulterated word of God that will actually strengthen you in tough times. You notice the watered-down version of the Bible does not work in difficult times. It's not enough. It's not the sustenance that we need. So we have to make sure that it's the strength of the word when we're living in these times. Turmoil was great. And they're living in that. And so he's writing them. He's getting real serious. He says, you have a positional holiness in Christ, but I want to teach you and exhort you in a practical holiness. You need to live righteously in keeping with what Jesus has done for you. And you can do that because you have the Holy Spirit living in you. Under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, he begins to talk to them what I think is actually about offense. And I'm going to share that with you in 1 Peter 2, verse 11. And here's what it says. There's a lot of stuff in here, so bear with me. Dear friends, I urge you as foreigners and exiles to abstain from sinful desires which wage war against your soul. Live such good lives among the pagans, non-believers, that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day that he visits us. Submit yourselves for the Lord's sake. You should underline that. Submit yourselves for the Lord's sake. To every human authority, whether to the emperor or the supreme authority, to governors who are sent by him to punish those who do wrong and to commend those who do right. For it is God's will that by doing good you should silence the ignorant talk of foolish people. Live as free people, but do not use your freedom as a cover up for evil. Live as God's slaves, show proper respect to everyone, love the family of believers, fear God, and honor the emperor. Now, that's a hard word for them to understand. Honor the emperor. Slaves, in reverent fear of God, submit yourselves to masters. Now, quickly, uh, this was a historical moment where slavery was normalized. Quite a bit different than we understand it. Sometimes people will read passages like this and say, see, the Bible condones slavery. No, the Bible is a historical document. History condones slavery. And the Bible was written thousands of years ago during a time where this was typical, this was normal. But the Bible actually is a revolutionary document that leads people into freedom both here and in the life to come. Come on, somebody. I'll preach on that and I'll show you that in days to come. That's the truth. People like to use scriptures like these to say that the Bible condones slavery. Absolutely not the case. The Bible condones everything that is right and good. And we could get into that. I know you got questions. He says, slaves in reverent fear of God, submit yourselves to your masters, not only to those who are good and considerate, but also to those who are harsh. For it is commendable if someone bears up under the pain of unjust suffering 
because they are conscious of God. But how is it to your credit if you receive a beating for doing wrong and endure it? But if you suffer for doing good and you endure it, this is commendable before God. To this you were called because Christ suffered for you, leaving you an example that you should follow in his steps. Now he's talking to Christians here. He committed no sin. This is a quote from Isaiah 53. He committed no sin and no deceit was found in his mouth. When they hurled their insults at him, he did not retaliate. When he suffered, he made no threats. Instead, he entrusted himself to him who judges justly and righteously. He himself bore our sins in his body on the cross so that we might die to sins and live for righteousness. By his wounds, we have been healed. By his suffering, we have been made whole. For you were like sheep going astray, but now you have returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. I find these words particularly powerful in the context of pursuing an unoffendable heart. And at first, you may not see why I'm using this passage to show you this, but what I believe about this passage, at least what I'm seeing and why I'm sharing it to you through this filter, is that I think that there is so much going on in our lives that are causing us to color what we're seeing and what we're saying and how we're interacting with one another that we have offense before we ever actually speak to a human being because of all of the context of our lives and they were living in the same kind of turmoil and that's where we are today. You don't even have to have an interaction with somebody to already be offended. We're predisposed to it. And I think there's a way to get cleansed of it. And I want to show you some things that I think are really important for the mindset of every believer that Peter shares with us from this passage and many others. And it's certainly in the context of this entire letter. But the first thing I want to share with you is that we must know our identity in Christ. In chapter 1 and chapter 2, we read all kinds of passages, which I've already shared with you, that is his clear and compelling way to remind us of what Jesus has done on our behalf, that we are not good people, that we needed a Savior, that from the womb, okay, we come on out, and we right then and right there are not generally good. Now, for some reason, that idea has gone out today as though we are not depraved, sinful, and in need of a Savior. There's this concept that goes out that most people are generally good. No, we are not To understand the need for the good news means that there is some bad news, ladies and gentlemen. And I'm here to tell you the bad news and the good news. That we need a Savior. That we have sin in our lives. That He made us to be perfect and in union with Him. And we walked away in Genesis chapter 3. That's the story that Scripture shows us. And we see not only the first human beings disobeying and walking away from God, but then the second human beings kill each other. I mean, this is the story and the experience of humanity from the very beginning. You wonder why the turmoil is happening like it is today? It's because it is built not on just hundreds of years of history, but thousands of years of history of us killing ourselves, harming ourselves, offending ourselves. We have 7 billion people on the planet right now making all kinds of free will decisions that is affecting one another. You think that's a mess? That's a mess. Thank God for Jesus. We have to know that we've been saved with the precious blood of Jesus, that we've been bought with a price. And in verse 11, Peter says this very powerful, potent statement, you are foreigners and exiles. You know what a foreigner is? 
It's somebody that does not have rights and responsibilities in the place in which they're living. That is a very provocative statement for the American. Ben, don't say that. It's true. I, honestly, I don't know how we read this. I think what we do is we read this and we spiritualize it. We act, that it's, act like it's not as powerful as it is. And this word goes out to people all over the world. This is the same for every person all over the world. But for us, this is what Peter is saying. You are foreigners. Foreigners who lack the rights and the privileges of the citizenship for which you are. And it doesn't mean that we're not Americans or, or wherever we might come from. But what he's saying is, is that your first citizenship is in heaven. When you give your lives to Jesus, you're born again. You've been given a new life. You have a citizenship that is eternally in heaven. This is our first and most important priority. We serve a king who has a kingdom he has values, he has principles, and he calls us to live the way that he calls us to live. And so if anybody else dictates those terms to us, we need to understand that that is our first priority, which is why God gave us his word. A king and a kingdom and a decree that we follow first. We are foreigners everywhere else that we go. This is what he's talking about. And we need to know that we are daughters and we are sons of God citizens of his kingdom. And he says to them, and also to us, abstain. Now that you know who you are, you're foreigners, you're exiles, because you are citizens of another kingdom, abstain from sinful desires which wage war against your souls. Now I know when we read that, we tend to think of like immorality and pride and all these things, which it certainly would mention, but he actually goes in this passage talking about the things that come out of our mouth. He's talking about how Jesus, when he was reviled against, did not revile. When insults were thrown against him, he didn't throw them back. La ladies and gentlemen, he's talking contextually about the things that come out of our mouth. He's saying abstain from sinful desires. We want to say stuff. We want to do stuff in retaliation of what others say and what others do. That's the temptation for you and for me. We're living in a hostile world, a slanderous world, a sinful world. And we've been called out of the world and sent back into the world, but not to be like the world, to be different from the world because we know who we are. The Bible says that old things have passed away. Behold, all things are new. We are new creations in Christ. We must identify first with Jesus and then everything else makes sense. But if we do not first identify with Jesus and his kingdom, we are going to be angry and bitter and offended. We will not understand the context for where we're living and the disposition that we're called to have. Because this will matter more than that. And when this in this world matters more than that which Jesus says and calls us to, we will not lay down our lives and suffer willingly like the Lamb of God who took away the sins of the world. If we are predisposed towards our rights and our privileges and everything that this country and everything that this world wants to give us, if that is primary and if that is first and if that is our filter, then we are not going to live the sacrificial life that Jesus Christ calls us to. It will not happen. We will live in the flesh. We will live out of our triggers. You say something to me and I'm going to say something right back. I'm not going to stop and pray. I'm not going to stop and consider the word of God. I'm not going to seek, seek the wisdom of the Lord. I'm just going to respond out of my emotion and I'm going to trust my emotion. I'm going to trust my feelings even though they'll betray me. 
You know, feelings are real, but they are not always right. We have a higher principle that we are held to, that we are accountable to. This you know, but I'm reminding, and, 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 I, and I believe that it is so easy to get offended if we do not have this mindset. See, Pastor Ben, teach me how to live in an unoffendable heart. I will. It starts with knowing who you are, and when you know who you are, it's because of what Jesus has done for you. It's no merit to you and I. It's because of the precious blood of Christ. He set us free. He saved us. He's transforming us. His spirit lives in us. His word is guiding us. We live in the power of God because of what Jesus did, and as a result of that, we're going to live different in this life. Christians live with dignity, and they have a certain kind of respect. There's something about the Christian that we've got to reclaim. There's a certain kind of honor and a dignity that we walk with. We don't just move around in like a ping pong ball, just back and forth. And no, no, it's like, there's a respect. Why? Because we know who made us. We see that he came for us. We see how much he loves us. And then when I look at you, I know that the same God that did this for me did it for you. And he made you in his image. And yeah, you might be yelling at me. And you might be insulting me, and that's fine, and I get that. I understand sin, but I realize that I'm not called to just retaliate. I'm called to absorb, and when I absorb because I know who I am and I'm following him, I can give back to you the opposite of what you're given to me. Why? Because I'm getting it from someone else. The external pressure is constant, ongoing. It's a military campaign seeking to draw us into a battle that Christ has already won, and we yield to his victory. It doesn't make sense to the world. They want us to be mad. Why? Because they are. Why? Because the hostility hasn't been silenced. The peace hasn't been granted. We have peace through God, through our Lord Jesus Christ. We have shalom It goes deep down into the roots of who we are. It's our identity. It causes us to stand tall. It causes us to be strong, and the world can't have it. And when they look at us, they're supposed to see it. And I'm reminding you of it. This is what Jesus has done. Nobody can do this. Every campaign that we can bring about in this life, every one of them without Christ will not change anything. Temporary relief, sure. Release of that anger, absolutely. But it'll come back around. Have you noticed the cycles of humanity continue to come back around to the same things? Hate, racism, violence, name it. Fill it in, guys. Sin, it keeps coming back around. We want to silence that. We always think that we can silence the external pressure. And you know the fact is, you can't. You and I cannot control other people. Settle this one right now. We can't. That's why the just one gave his life for the unjust ones. That's why the righteous one gave his life for the unrighteous ones. That's why Jesus had to come. It's because no matter what we do or how we do it, without Christ at the center of it or the motivation for it, or receives the glory as a result of it. Without Christ, the one who created us, without him getting the glory, we're just spinning our wheels. It will come back around. Ladies and gentlemen, it's going to keep coming. I'm going to prophesy to you. The problems of our world are going to keep coming. The external pressure 
is going to get more and more and more. And the only way to overcome it is to have something stronger in here. Greater is he who is in us than he who is in the world. Our offenses and corresponding actions often reveal that our allegiances are not Christ first. We need to know who we are. Secondarily, we must submit to governing authorities. Look at what he says. Verse 13, submit yourselves for the Lord's sake to every human authority. The word submit here means to arrange in military fashion under a commander. It means to put oneself in an attitude of submission, not just action. You know, submission is not just an action, it's an attitude. I can get my kids to obey, and they're angry the entire time. Now, they're not here today. Not this service. So I'm going to go off. No, I'm just kidding. Every time I got to do that, I got to pay up, you know. But I can get someone to obey, but doesn't mean that their attitude's right. And you know what that means? That means that obedience will be in a moment, but it will not be in an ongoing fashion. Until attitudes shift, the actions are only temporary. He says, submit yourselves for the Lord's sake to every human authority. As citizens in the world and under civil law and authority, God's people are called to live in a humble and submissive way in the midst of hostility, godlessness, and a slanderous society. Offense will come. We live in a pluralistic society. And I think part of the reason that we get so offended, and I'm just going to say this, and it might not land the way I want it to, so give me some grace. (laughs) But we live in a pluralistic society. Many religions, many backgrounds, many ideologies, all together in one melting pot. That's where we live. And we, you may not like that, but that's where you live. And so as a result of that, we have a tension and a conflict. And that conflict is we see at every level of human authority and institution, we see that it is not reflex, a reflection of Christ. It's not a reflection of his governing and his government. And so we have conflict with that. But the scripture does not say submit to only godly authority. The scripture says submit to every human authority. Now, what would be the caveat? What would be the addendum? If we are called or asked or commanded to obey something that is absolutely opposite of what the word says, then yes, that would be what we call civil disobedience. I might call that spiritual disobedience because that would be the motivation for it. But it must be a plain reading of scripture. Not some private interpretation, not some idea that I have. And by the way, in this last four months, I have seen so many private interpretations of Scripture that I have never seen in my entire life. No, seriously, I have seen more private interpretations of the Bible and conspiracy theories in four months than I have seen in the last 10 years. Because we want something else to be true. You know what it is? We want to not submit We don't want to suffer. Let's just own it. We don't want to suffer for the Lord's sake. And so it's hard to submit to something that is seemingly ungodly and not leading us in the ways and the words of Christ. And I'm not talking about compelling us to disobey the word. I'm just talking about I don't agree with that. In the slanderous society, it's constant. I don't agree with that. And I can find somebody else who can give a compelling argument against it. Yes, you can, but it doesn't make it right. It doesn't mean that's the narrative that we spin. 
What is our purpose for submission? For the Lord's sake. You and I have a higher principle to reach people for Jesus. And at the end of the day, that is the goal. The goal is that I submit to the governing authorities. I am complying, not because I am afraid. I have been told. Now, I'm not trying to get sympathy from you. But I've been told multiple times by people that don't go to our church almost entirely. Pastor Ben, you should open the church building up. And you're in fear unless you do. You know what? It does not require any faith for me to open the doors and tell everybody to cast off all restraint. That is the old Ben Dixon. You must meet the Dixon family. We're not afraid to take a stand. We all got a backbone, men and women. You should meet all of us. That's the flesh. You know what causes, you know what requires more faith? For me to believe we're going to have a church when this is all over. For me to believe that people are going to even ever give to any of this. That we have this 64,000 square foot facility and like there's going to be anything left after all this if I do actually submit. That requires great faith from me. And I have been told that I don't have faith because we don't do this. We don't just cast off all restraint. That is wrong and that is a lie. That's a lie. It's the human nature. It's the sinful nature. And you know why? Because it's latent with anger and bitterness and offense. You and I just, we don't have to pray about this. We already know the stuff, that visceral reaction. You have it and so do I. It's just like, I don't want to do that. And so we spin it. What about social media? What about it? Do people know us because of what we're against and constantly spinning these stories Constantly just putting our, uh, Ben Dixon, don't, just be careful. What are we known for? Reaching people for Christ? You say, Ben, you're talking about being a doormat. I'm not, you and I have got to read these words. And and no matter who you are, you got to make a decision what you're going to do. You got to make a decision. You and I have to make a decision. I've made a decision. And this is hard. And I'm admitting it to you. It is is hard, but I've made a decision that I'm going to submit to every human authority, Democrat and Republican, whoever's in office. I'm not just quoting the scripture when it's somebody I think is going to do what I want. I understand. No, listen. I see it every, I see it every political cycle. I'm a, I'm a moral conservative. I just want you to know, not a Democrat, not a Republican. I don't have my political agenda. I'm not here to preach it to you. I'm not going to coerce you to vote for who I want you to vote for. You're not going to get that from me. You're just not going to get that from me. But I am concerned that there is an agenda and there is a pressure and there is a puppeting that is happening right now that is moving us away from our purpose. So we'll submit when it's somebody we agree with and we'll struggle the entire time and spin controversy when it's not. I don't care what the world does. What I care is what people of God do. We've got a purpose in this world. Submit for the Lord's sake because we're trying to reach people for Jesus Christ. That is not a lower thing. That is the highest thing. My attitude, my actions must come behind the Lordship of Jesus. It's not just what I want. It's not just how I want. And ladies and gentlemen, that means... Every human authority. We're talking about from the top all the way down. We have local government. We have police officers. We have military. I respect. I honor. If you look at all of my social media, you're never going to get any of that stuff on any of my social media. It will not happen. If you ever get a message from me that has some kind of video on it, it is because I have been hacked. (laughs) 
because I'm not pushing you. I am going to preach the word of God. You should expect that from your church, shouldn't you? I mean, I could tell you, I mean, I'm not going to tell you to wash your hands and all that. Oh, you should. But this is, we come here for the word. We come here for the Lord. And sometimes that's going to offend us. But the word shouldn't offend us. The word shouldn't offend us. So, I mean, I'm, I'm in the world you're in. We're talking about Black Lives Matter. We're talking about defunding the police. We're talking about anti-Trump, pro-Trump, anti-Republican, Democrat, hatred toward our governor on all the requirements that come with COVID-19. Do you live in the world I live in? I mean, one of those is just enough, but, you know, there's a reason why the mental health and the emotional health of the people in this moment is not great. And we're letting so many things offend and affect us. And, you know, we don't even realize it. By the time we get to flesh and blood conversations, we're already so upset and so offended because we've predecided. if you say X, I'm looking for terminology, and I've put a label on you, and you've got nothing to say to me. How do you pursue an unoffendable heart in a world that is so slanderous, so hostile, so offensive? You do it because you have a higher principle. You can because you're listening to the Lord. You're standing on his word. Do I have to deal with it on a regular basis? Absolutely. Absolutely. Do I have to take this stuff to the Lord regularly? Absolutely. Am I patronizing you today? No, I'm not. I'm saying you live in the same world as me, and I'm trying to figure it out just like you. But what I do know is I keep going back to the word. I have quoted this passage to I don't know how many people again and again and again, and it just, for some reason, we just go right past the Bible. Like, we didn't even read that. Submit yourselves to every human authority. Yeah, pastor, I know. No, you don't. We've never been here before. Pray about this. Seek the Lord about this. Stop being so angry and mad and upset and bitter and offended. My point is, is that all this stuff that's going on right now in the world that we're living in, you know, just imagine 20 TV screens up here. And this is all the influences, you know, the news, the social media, the opinions of people, anger, bitterness, riots, protests, just bad, good, all in between, just 20 television screens. That's all the stuff going on right now, okay? All that's going in. Come on. You live in the world I live in. All that's going in. Now sit down with somebody and have a conversation. You tell me how that's going to go if you don't have a higher filter. Tell me how that's going to go. It's not going to go very well. You know what I want to ask you to do? I want to ask you to fast from your media. That's what I want to ask you to do. I mean, you want to watch a nice little Disney movie or whatever, that's fine. No, I mean, if you have intentional media, there's nothing wrong with that. But fast from your media and see how it'll start to set your heart free from all of the offenses that are predisposed in our lives before we ever have a flesh and blood conversation. I can give you all the practical stuff on how to get free, stay free, all that kind of stuff. It's got to come because we understand and we're aware that there's a conversation before there's a conversation. All right, and finally, I have a lot more points, but I've got to close on the third one, or I'd take you a long time. We'd be in the second service. They say, what's happening? I mean, my narrative is, is a good message. You may not have the same. Number three is we must follow the way of Jesus as our example. I see that here, verse 21. Peter explains that our submission must be such that we're willing to suffer. To this you were called because Christ suffered for you, 
leaving you an example that you should follow in his steps. He committed no sin. No deceit was found in his mouth. When they hurled insults at him, he did not retaliate. When he suffered, he made no threats. Instead, you know what Jesus did? He entrusted himself to the only one that judges righteously. He gave himself over, his thoughts, his feelings, all of that to the Father. The word example here, he is an example to us. It means writing under, and it was specifically used like a trace. If you had like a map on a piece of paper, and you put that piece of paper right here, and then you had a fresh, clean piece of paper, and you put that on top, that piece of paper underneath with the map, with the map on it is your trace. It's your example. And so you need to trace the fresh, clean piece of paper exactly like what's underneath it. Jesus is like that writing under. He is that example. And our life is like that fresh, clean piece of paper we put on his life and we trace our life according to his life. So when this says that he did not retaliate, when this says no deceit was found in his mouth, when this says he was reviled and he did not revile in return, that we actually need to understand that's for every place of our life, that he is our example. Nobody else in this room is quite our example like Jesus. He's the writing under. He's the trace. He left us an example. Jesus was not easily offended. He lived in the Father's will. He lived according to the Father's words. He was one with the Father. He was man. He was God. He is our example. He was persecuted, he was hated, he was mistreated, he was lied about, he was beaten, he was conspired against by everyone, and he died for us. He had to look people in the face when he died for them. There were people right there. He had to watch his disciples betray him, walk away from him. He died for them. He had to listen to the insults while he was on the cross. You saved others. Jesus, why don't you save yourself? Oh, you're the great physician. You healed all these other people. Look at you now bleeding out. Why don't you heal yourself? He suffered even in the last moments of his physical life. And in those moments, his last words or some of his last words were, Father, forgive them. They have no clue what they're doing. What if our mindset was this in the world that we're living in? Forgive them, Lord. They have no idea what they're doing. Thank you that you made me aware, not because I'm smarter, not because I'm more deserving, but because I was a candidate of the grace of God, that I couldn't earn it and I didn't deserve it. And you gave me your grace. I responded to your grace. You, your spirit lives in my life. You've changed me, and now I'm in the world, and I get to be like you, and I need your help to do it. This is this is what God's called us to. You want to you know something? You and I cannot live the Christian life unless we are utterly, completely dependent on God. It's easy to respond in the flesh. It's easy to say what we want. It's easy to get offended. But it's death to self if we really want to follow Jesus. I'm not calling you to be moral and nice and good for your own sake. I'm calling you to be sacrificially obedient as gospel advocates with a mission that is higher than the mess that you're living in, with a message that is more powerful than anything else. We've been entrusted with God's holy word, and I want us to be an example as we live in the victory that he paid for.
We need to be willing to suffer. How you been doing with that? I give you a prophetic warning. Whatever you're going through right now is light and momentary affliction. The Bible talks about a remnant. It talks about a people set apart for God's purposes. You should expect me to call you to something that is going to cost your life. You should expect that because I'm reading the same Bible that you have. I love our church. I, I will labor over sharing the truth with you, but I'm telling you, it's going to cost our lives. It's going to cost our lives. And so I want to call us to the sacrificial obedience because that's the place of peace and that's the place of joy, the place of death to self. I know it's a, it's a paradox. You're saying, Ben, that if I give my whole life and my opinions and my attitudes and all this stuff and I lay it down, you're saying I'm going to have joy and peace. And yeah, that's exactly what I'm saying. I'm saying until you stop the fight within, you're going to continue to battle with your sin. You didn't even get the rhyme I was going for there, did you? You didn't even get it. Yeah. Your exiles, your foreigners, abstain. Abstain from the sinful desires which war against your soul. There's a military campaign right now. Darkness and evil. Evil and light. Goodness and, and darkness. All of that is it's happening right now. Waging war against you. Waging war against me. He's the example. Therefore, submit yourselves unto God. I want to share with you something. I had a vision. I'll close with this. I, there's so many things I didn't share with you today. It's awesome. I had a picture this morning as I was praying of a person that was um, standing in like what looked like a prison cell. It looked like a prison cell, but the bar, there weren't bars and mortar. You know when you're in a cell, uh, maybe a nine by nine or something like that. You've seen it on television. And most of you have probably never been in one. This person was in a prison cell, but it wasn't brick and mortar and it wasn't bars. It was lined with television screens. And it was like they could walk out of that prison, but it, it was a prison nonetheless. And all of those screens, like I shared with you just a moment ago, they all had different channels. Some of it wasn't bad. Some of it was. Some of it didn't have agenda. Some of it did. But it was everything from movies to news to everything you name it. Every television screen had a different channel on it. And they were in that nine by nine with all of this stuff. And by the time they came out, whenever they could come out to the yard or they could come interact with other people, they were so deeply influenced by everything that they were seeing day in and day out that they couldn't help but talk about it because they were consumed by it. It was their conversation. It was their commentary. It was what they had to share. And I just believe that the Lord was showing me this to lead us and to really provoke you, courage, encourage you, challenge you, to actually prune whatever media in your life that is consuming your life. This is a moment of following the example of Christ who gave his life, gained victory for us, and says, I want you to go give your life. And as a result of you laying down your life, like Jesus, you're going to gain victory in the lives of other people because they're going to have a compelling witness that does not look like the world. If we're getting queued up by the world, we're going to respond like the world. Doesn't matter what side we're talking about. 
doesn't matter what agenda we're talking about. doesn't matter what category we're talking about, but it's going to happen. Check yourself. Are you angry? Are you bitter? Are you offended? Or do you find yourself becoming more loving, kind, generous? I'm not talking about you qualifying yourself. Do people around you and me feel like we're getting more kind and loving and generous and faithful and true? Is that the story that other people are telling about us? Or is it just the one we think about ourselves? Father, we thank you today for your word. And what we do is we push in. We press into your word, the truth of your word. We desire to be like Jesus. And we admit to you, I do at least, I say to you, Lord, that it is difficult in this world. I've just been time and time again coming to you, recognizing that there's something evil lurking in me, wanting to be offended, wanting to get angry, wanting to be justified, wanting to spin an agenda, wanting to control people. But I realize, Lord, and I say this to us, and I receive it from you, that your word, is, it takes precedence over everything else. And I pray that you would cleanse us and purify us from the influences that are seeping into our life, trying to take control of our narrative and what we say and what we do and how we interact with people. And we pray that those offenses would be cleansed from us. The predisposition would be cleansed from us that we could see people created in your image and go and minister to them no matter who they are, where they're from, what they're like, and how they speak. I pray, God, for a revival and awakening in us. And we embrace the way of humility, Lord. Help us to humble ourselves. Help me to humble myself to you. We ask you to move powerfully in our hearts today. In Jesus' name. You know, uh, I had a picture prophetically. I'm letting you go. You don't know it. I'm letting you go. Somebody has a sister and either was in the hospital or is in the hospital, and I was led to pray for healing over them, and I did that already. But if that's you, I'd love for you to come up after the service. Your sister is or was in the hospital and is in need of healing and recovery. And then I saw a picture of you as I was sitting here. You know, I usually prophesy through the screen, <laughs> But now we have people. And so I'm just going to point people out. No, I'll let you go here in a moment. But we will have prayer teams available. I saw a picture of you and you were, you've had a voice to some people in your life in the past. And I felt like your, what I saw was your hand was on them and, and that was representative of you having influence in their life. It was like your hand was on their back and you were a lifeline to them, so to speak, a voice to them. And it, it, I could see your hand slipping away. It was almost like your influence was slipping away. Your voice was slipping away. I just felt like the Lord says to you, press in to those that you feel like are slipping away, and God will give you greater connection, greater influence in their lives. Just because they're slipping away does not mean that God's calling you to. And as you press in, you're going to have greater connection, influence, and fruitfulness in their lives. In fact, we just prophesy over you right now that the Lord has made you influential in your circle in the name of Jesus, the character of Jesus. Something I feel led to say is you're not who you once were to those that may label you in a specific way. You're not who you once were. And God's renewing your mind to see yourself differently so that your influence, the magnitude of your influence, your Christ-centered influence will be that much greater. He's renewing your mind, giving you that upgrade in your thinking. 
so that you don't allow that to slip away, but you press back in. And it doesn't matter how people have labeled you or seen you or maybe think that you're not, your voice isn't as relevant. That's just going to go away. Press in, press in, press in. Father, bless her. Thank you for your anointing on her life. We pray, God, that you would use her voice in a mighty way in Jesus' name. And God's people said, amen. As you go, be strengthened by God's word. Be filled with God's spirit. Be mindful of God's voice. Be focused on his mission as we bring Jesus to people and people to Jesus. Amen. Thanks for listening. If you'd like more information about Ignite Global Ministries, please go to our website, igniteglobalministries.org. While there, check out our Immersion Discipleship School and the books Pastor Ben has written.